I was at a magic show when after one particularly amazing trick, someone screamed out, Wow, how did you do that? I would tell you, answered the magician predictably, but then I'd have to kill you. After a moment's pause, the same voice yelled back, Can you tell my mother-in-law? Oh, snap. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number six, and we are going to be talking about in-laws. Even though it would be impossible to host an episode about in-laws without a little off-the-cuff humor, we do want to acknowledge that parents are always to be given honor. Having said that, we recognize that in-law issues, both parent to offspring and offspring to parent, can be a really hot topic for many marriages. So the Journal of Family Therapy published an article called The Problem with In-Laws in 2003. Interesting article. They identified six different areas that are common to many marriages where issues arise in Western society with in-laws. Now, we do have some folks from other cultures that listen to our podcast, which is great. And you might have to take what we're saying with a grain of salt. Things will fit differently in your social context. So we're socialized in each of our cultures to think in different ways about our parents and what the ideal role of their involvement in our marriage might be. So we just want to be upfront that today we're speaking out of a very Western uh, perspective. Yeah, so at the very least, this might be an interesting insight into how things happen in the idealized world of North America. Yeah, maybe it's not so ideal after all. So regardless of culture, the guiding principle here from the ancient wisdom of the Bible is that a husband should leave his father and mother and cleave, and that word means cling or unite unto his wife. That's taught to us right from the second chapter of Genesis at the very start of the Bible. And this implies that there's a clear separation that comes into the parental relationship and a joining into the marriage relationship. And so that forms a new union, but it also involves a change in the previous relationship with the parents as well. And I think that's where a lot of the issues come in around our expectations related to that. Yeah, I'd say so. And that's where like the tension can come. Absolutely. So the article identified these six different areas, and we're just going to take each one of them at a time. A couple of them are big words and not words that we use in our everyday language, but we're going to try to unpack them and make them simple for us. So the first one is jealousy, then competition, transference, displacement, poor boundary regulation, discrepant role expectations is the last one. So that's a lot of French. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to break it down and make it simple for me. All right, let's take it from the top. Number one, jealousy. That's pretty simple. It is. So when you get married, obviously loyalties change from your parents to your spouse. Right. How does that cause jealousy? Well, that's not a simple thing because there's time, attention, and there's affection toward my parents. And before one's spouse comes into the picture, they have that pretty much exclusively. Yeah. So yeah, there's that uh, growing up and people move away and so on. But for that sort of intimate part of the family relationship, they had all of, they were on the receiving end of all of, all of that. The spouse, though, can also be jealous. Uh, so not only is there the, the time when it changes and some of that's taken away from the parent and given to the spouse, but the spouse can also be jealous from the other side if he or she feels that they're not getting everything they should be. And some of that's still going back to the parents that should be coming to him or to her. So the parents can be jealous mm-hmm. that the in-law has taken away their child. Mm-hmm. And the spouse can be jealous because they feel like... The parents haven't given up the child. Yeah, so yeah. the jealousy can go both ways there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think what we, we need to realize and keep in mind all the way through this 
is that most of the time, if not all the time, the in-laws want the best for the marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy when you get married and, you know, you hear all the typical mother-in-law jokes. And yet, deep down inside, that mother-in-law and father-in-law want the best for you and your spouse. They want them to be happy. Yeah. Absolutely. And yet, at the same time, there is this conflict because the spouse might feel like they're betraying their parents to some extent when they leave home. So it's almost like they need to grieve. There is a grief There's a loss. Involved. Possibly more so for the parents because they're kind of more left with nothing, whereas you're left with a new wife and, and that initial sort of throb of love and excitement, the honeymoon, the excitement of marriage and all that great stuff, right? So it is, it has to be acknowledged that there is difficulty there. Some emotional hardship, I think it would be a good way to describe it. Okay. So jealousy can come in very easily into that type of a situation around who gets how much attention, who gets how much affection and love and that type of thing. So we, we need to be aware of that. Second one up is competition or comparison. We can bring into a marriage a lot of expectations about how I need to be as a son-in-law or maybe how you need to be as a daughter-in-law. Or we can even compare ourselves with other in-laws on the sibling level as well. So, you know, the new wife is comparing herself to the sister or perhaps to the other daughter-in-law or uh, or brother-in-law's wife. Am I yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that that comparison trap is very easy to fall into and there could be expectations that arise from that. And and even in there, again, sort of tied to that jealousy thing, you can feel like you need to compete for time. So how much time of my spouses do I get versus how much should still be going to his family of origin? Yeah. And I think just, you know, like there's the mummy comparisons out there and there's the, Mm. you know, house comparison and everything comparison. That's really easy to fall into even with the family. Like what you were saying about the sister-in-law or the yeah. son-in-law or brother-in-law or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. So what if I, as a son-in-law, wonder if I can provide you with as good a home as your father provided you with? Right. Right. But that's unfair because I'm at the start of my career when I get married and he is well into his career and he's established financially. And yet you you could easily feel like you're taking her, you know, from this beautiful big house with a pool in the backyard to a little apartment and, you know, there's no proper parking and it's not even as safe as you'd like it to be. And you can really dwell on that and allow that to become an issue for for thinking about comparison or okay. not being able to compete. Right. So what could help here? Like how can we create a safe or a a peaceful environment where we're not doing that. We want to diffuse that competition somewhat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things is, is really managing our boundaries. So thinking about putting the spouse first and the parents second. So that is the natural order of marriage. And, but practically what does that look like? Like I can tell my husband, Oh yeah, you're first in my life. But if, you know, I'm talking to my mom every night, Instead of talking to my husband, Mm -hmm. that's not showing that he's first. Mm -hmm. So what's a good boundary or what can this look like practically? Mm -hmm. So I think that the the person who's feeling left out needs to be able to voice those concerns, the husband or wife, and, and tell them how they're experiencing that. And then together they can talk about ways where you can still feel connected to your mom or your dad and talk to them as you need to, but it's not taking away from time that I was looking forward to us having together. Right. So often we come at these things sort of an either, or can we look for a both end, which says, you know, maybe you get home an hour early from work. Can you call your folks then so that when we're home together, because we have such a short evening for whatever reason, our jobs are so long or or something like that, that we can actually spend some real quality time together and not be having to give parts of that away 
to the family all the time. Right. And I think it would be good too. like, say I was on the phone every night to my parents, you could start to get angry at my parents mm-hmm. when it is really my issue. That's right. So what was our next big word? Transference. What is that? Okay. Transference is something that is an issue in my family, often something that's missing that I look to your family to provide. So as an example, let's say that my family was never very good at nurturing. Okay. And this may not even hardly be a recognized need, but it's there in my subconscious as a deep desire, right? And then when I marry you, I'm looking to your parents to be very, very nurturing people because I have that unmet need for my own family. And let's say, for example, that your parents were very formal, sort of, and had this huge belief about absolutely keeping the in-laws at a distance just to give them their space or whatever. I could perceive that as very, very cold in response to my desire for nurturing. And then there could be this incredible resentment that I could build. Oh. So that's what that might look like. So... In a negative sense, it could look like disappointment in my family. Disappointment that I have with my family is transferred to yours now. Because you see how now I've made your parents the villains. Even though it's something that I'm looking for from my family or had been. And then positively, positive transference means I overly idealize your new in-laws. So everything that mine weren't, yours are. So they're the hero in-laws in our relationship. Oh, okay. And then later on, as I get to know them a little better and they let me down a few times, we realize they're human too. And that's, that's also an example of transference. So how do you manage that in a relationship? Just be very conscious of your own needs coming into this? Yeah, exactly. So being aware of what I'm bringing to the marriage, my expectations, and then looking to develop that secure emotional bond within the marriage. So if I did actually have a deficiency in, in nurturance, as an example, mm-hmm. I'd be looking to you to meet that need or to help me with that. So I, it could be as simple as asking for a hug or hold me or, or can we spend some time together? Can we cuddle? Whatever it might be like that. Okay. Rather than looking to my parents to fulfill the role of your parents. Absolutely. So, and then I just want to wrap a container around that overlander that says that this has to stay within a healthy framework here. So if you have a deep, deep unmet need, it may be unrealistic for you to even expect your spouse to meet that need. In fact, it very likely is unrealistic. Right. Yeah. And, and you that's, need to get that's some something help that needs unpacked. You may need to go through a bit of a grief process, maybe some counseling, something like that, to try to get help with that. So I'm just talking about general healthy needs right. that aren't major issues. But like a need like good cinnamon buns, you need to go to my mom for. <laughs> <laughs> that might just get you a recipe, though. Right. All um, right. So that's, that's transference. So it's something off from my family, often lacking, that I'm looking to my in laws to provide. Gotcha. All good. Number four is displacement. So this is the one you referred to just uh, when we were on uh, one or two there, Verlinda. That looks like me getting upset with your parents because that's easier than being upset with you. Okay. So I'm going to get angry at them because if I get angry with you, you're going to, that's going to be right in our relationship. That's going to be awkward. It's easier to get angry with your parents. Oh, that's when I was talking about being on the phone with them and you would might resent them even though I was the one that called them. Yeah. So it's easier for you just Easier for me to distance them, to try to push them away, to be angry towards them, to try to isolate them. Whereas I've never actually dealt with the problem, spoke to you about it and, and told you how I feel about what it's like for me to come home, looking forward to spending time with you. And the first hour or whatever is given to your mother on the phone. Right. Yeah. And how disappointing that is and how lonely I feel. Right. 
So displacement is me getting upset with your parents because it's easier than being upset towards you. So if I can't, uh, yes, I gave that example. If I can't express the anger towards my parents is another example. It could be easier or safer to do that towards yours. So that can happen as well. So my own disappointment with my parenting, this is a slight twist on what we said before, my disappointment with my parenting, I can project onto your parents. Right. Okay. And I think that can go with the parents-in-law too, right? It's a lot easier to be upset with the son or daughter-in-law than it is to get upset with your own flesh and blood. Your own child. Yeah. So is that displacement? Like it can go both ways too? It can indeed. Okay. Kennedy. So let me give you a complicated version of this, which makes sense when you think about it. If I feel your parents are too intrusive, yeah. and let's just imagine for a moment that the reality of the situation is that they're not overly intrusive, but it's more about me being uncomfortable with them because they're these new people that are really, really friendly. Yeah. And they're all of a sudden very close to our relationship. But if I feel they're too intrusive and I just take on a victim role... And so I start to act in certain ways. They're going to see me as being more needy. Does that make sense? Because I have that victim piece playing now. Okay, yeah. Needy. And how are they going to respond? They're going to try to step in to be there more for us because obviously Caleb's a little needy. We need to try to compensate and help these people out. And then we've got a vicious cycle going. Absolutely. Become self-fulfilling all because I was unable to originally identify my own uncomfortable feelings. So maybe this whole in-law issue is just our own inability to look inside and deal with how we're feeling. Right. Which so it's pre- easier to blame somebody else. Absolutely. And I think the irony of this and why it's so, you know, this is such a reality and there's so many in-law jokes out there is because you start into marriage quite young. That's when you're least emotionally mature. Generally, people don't go from emotionally mature to immature. It's a, it's right. a, it's a yeah. growth through life, right? Yeah. So at the point where I have the least amount of emotional intelligence and skills, I'm getting married and having to deal with this complicated new relationship that brings another family into my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's tricky. Yeah, for sure. Indeed. I think the takeaway there is to really be aware of and try to stop in those moments when we're upset or acting in certain ways to ask ourselves, okay, what is my stuff here? What can I own honestly and genuinely? Rather than just blame everything on the other. And then party. how do I need to deal with that instead of dumping it on them or projecting it on them or transferring it on them, whatever the case might be. Right. So that might be some pretty painful and honest. Yeah. I was going to say communication, but that's just within yourself. But then obviously you need to talk to your spouse about that too. Indeed. And if they are talking to your spouse about that, I think that's wonderful because that's how you, how you mature. Cause you're able to identify and start unpacking your insights together. What a great way to bond. Right. To really yeah. get to know to each other and grow together and start to understand how and why we do the things that we do. That's when marriage really sort of becomes that tool to make us holier and refiner characters. Yeah. That's a that's a superb way of approaching it. So that's a great note to finish this session up on. We have two more points to cover in Episode 7 that will stand well on their own. Also, an absolutely superb question coming next week, especially for those of our listeners who are helping other marriages. Hopefully that'll make up for not having time for a Q&A section today. Remember that you can get the full show notes at onlyyouforever.com slash six. We want to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So send us your marriage questions in to questions at onlyyouforever.com. Thank you for listening to the onlyyouforever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.